do have notes, and we'll encourage you to fill those in as we move along. Are you ready? We're just going to read uh, the scripture until we stop. The whole chapter I'll be preaching from, but we're not going to go through 28 verses of scripture, but I will reference. So uh, let's read until I stop reading. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, New King James tonight. Are you ready? It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one. That the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thoughts of setting him over the whole realm. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for your presence and for your power and for your anointing that comes, your enablement that comes upon us tonight, right now. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond that we might never be the same. Release all that's in your heart tonight, God, those that are online, those that will listen at a later date, those that are gathered here in the sanctuary. Thank you that you are calling, you are releasing the, the trumpet sound of the Lord to call people up higher, not to limit themselves because you are a God who has no limits. And you give your spirit freely and we have the mind of Christ and we can do all things through you. And I thank you for what you're going to do, releasing supernatural power right now over us, over this church, over this region, over the body of Christ, even over our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've had to break some habits in my life. Has anybody had to break some habits in your life? Maybe you had some bad habits? I've known people that have been... Uh, Addicted to chewing their nails, biting their nails. I had a habit of having my tongue how to hang out of my mouth when I was a kid. Does anybody ever anybody ever anybody ever have a, a child that just hung their their tongue? I got cured of that. You bite your tongue a few times, you stick it back in your mouth. There's some habits that are that'll bless you, and there's some habits that'll destroy you. And we want to cultivate habits in our life that will bless us. If you're a student, for instance, and you don't, you don't have a habit of studying, you might be one of those uniquely gifted people that can remember everything and recall it instantaneously, the photographic memory. I was not that kind. I had to study. And if I studied, I did well. But if I did not study, I didn't do well. I developed a habit of study in school. If you're a student, you develop a habit of study, you're going to do well, usually. If you have a habit of laziness, I just dealt with that on Sunday night. If you didn't hear that message, you, you, you want to go ahead and listen to that, let your kids listen to it, maybe memorize it. And you're going to, a little folding of the hands, you know, you're going to end up in trouble. If you have a habit of being diligent, diligence reaps fruitfulness, and that's just in the natural. Daniel is described here in our text that we read as having an excellent spirit. He had something other people didn't have. He is about 80 years old right here in the text. He was empowered by the Spirit of God. And that empowerment, that enablement gave him an excellent spirit so much so that when, when you would look out at all the leaders, when the king would look at all his people and said, what is it about that Daniel guy? What is it about him? There's something about him. And I believe the reason he had an excellent spirit is because he had a habit of praying. Let's look at this text. This is uh, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We didn't get all that all there, but we will we'll refer to it and talk about it. Daniel's being elevated. It's interesting. Come on, right in the right in the Bible here. The king had a structure 
so that the king would suffer no loss. There is, it's a pagan kingdom, it's Babylon. But in, in, in every realm, there is an assignment to, to bring death and for everyone to suffer loss. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You have to have structures. I'm just saying Daniel distinguished above everybody else. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So he's about to get promoted. And this story, as you read the whole thing, this lion's den, a closer look reveals political intrigue, racism, religious intolerance, and how a bad law hurts good people, and there's all kinds of other themes in here too. Again, Daniel is probably in his 80s, about to be elevated. King's planning to elevate him, and there are those who want Daniel eliminated. They're jealous. Maybe it's a younger generation. We don't know exactly, but we know that they want to eliminate him. They know that they want him removed. And they devise this plan, and the plan is they, they come to King Darius, and you got to understand that pagan kings were many times viewed as gods, and they wanted to be viewed as gods because that was a way of controlling people. So if they saw him as a god, that would be good. So they come to the king in verse 6. They come before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and the satraps and the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute. Oh, really? All the governors? All of them? No, they're lying because how many of you know Daniel was not a part of that meeting? He wasn't involved in that meeting, so they're straight lying to him right away. To make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man, see, they look to try to catch him. They tried to do anything they could to get Daniel to be removed, but he was, he, was, he was above reproach. He had an excellent spirit. He could be accused of nothing because he did everything right, and so the only thing they could accuse him of is how, how devoted he was to God. So they made this plan. Oh, king, you know how you're supposed to be viewed as a god. I'm you know, reading between a little bit of lines here. And they, the king is so filled with pride and arrogance, you can write that in your notes, King Darius, out of his pride and arrogance, is deceived into going along with the plan. He had short-sightedness. He didn't understand. And we know, as we read on in this text, and I'd encourage you to read the whole thing when you go home, we read on in the text, you see that, that Daniel's loved by the king. This is not the first king he served. And he's loved by the king, and he'd already seen miracles, and already had been the dream interpreter, or had already Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That had already taken place. And prayer had been established in the life of Daniel, and he was elevated by the power of God. But these, these guys, they didn't like it. And so they got the king through his pride and arrogance to make a law. I, I think the same thing is happening today. It kind of reminds me of some of the Supreme Court hearings recently. Let's just see if we can fabricate something. And God knows the truth of all of those things. We don't. We, we see so dimly and we get, we get to receive news through a straw that's biased in all kinds of directions. God knows. Come on, how many of you know God knows? You believe everything you hear on the news or you're definitely going to be in trouble. But I'm just, anybody else glad that righteousness and truth are the foundations of his throne and it's not moved by an earthquake? God's on the throne. But when you think about laws being made that are um, endorsed by people, I mean, I, I, I'm, I am opposed to the legalization of marijuana. It's too late. You say, well, I'm not. Okay, well, I'm going to just tell you for just a moment why I am. Just one reason, just, just one reason that I don't think I've talked about. I've talked about others. I'm just going to talk about this one that I didn't talk about yet. If you look at our culture and you see addiction just going through the roof, there is so much addiction problems, it's an epidemic, really. It's really an epidemic. So why, based on that alone, why would you endorse something else for youth and people to get addicted to. Why would you do that? Nobody say it's a gateway drug. 
people know it's a gateway drug. It, it, it just is. How about this in the 70s, the, the no-fault divorce? You know what the no-fault divorce is? You say, what's so bad about the no-fault divorce? I'll tell you what the, no, the no-fault divorce, it basically made it easy for people to just get right out of their covenant. It made it easy for people just to know, you know, it, it put one less restraint on people really being married for life till death do us part. It just made it a little easier. There are reasons for divorce. I understand that. But the no-fault divorce is another thing the enemy used to undermine the family, destroy homes, destroy fathers and mothers, and let leave kids with single parents and all kinds of nightmares. Daniel's facing a law here in this text that's going to affect him and hurt him and his people. And Daniel's response to this new law shows why he had an excellent spirit. Look at, look at verse 10. I, I, I love this. I mean, I really like it a lot. Verse 10. So they lie. They say, oh, king, make the law. So King Darius signs it. Look at verse 9. So therefore, King Darius signed it, and the decree is written. In other words, you can't, you can't pray to anybody but me for 30 days. And so, you know, Daniel, when he, when he hears about it, when he hears about the writing was signed, how many of you know he wasn't invited to the meeting, as I already said, he went home into his upper room with the windows open to Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees, three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom in his early days. Okay, so stop. If somebody tells you you can't do this, it's against the law. So he realizes that all of the success and all of the fruit and all of the blessing in his life was because he was in covenant with God. And so then somebody tells him, no, you can't do that. It reminds me of the book of Acts where they said, they said, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. He said, far be it for us to obey you rather than God. We can't help. You know, you judge. You judge which is better to obey you or God. We can't help but testify about what we've seen and heard. So Daniel says, oh, I can't pray anymore. And I just get this idea that at 80 years old, he says, oh, I can't pray anymore. All right. Oh, sure. Sure I can. Goes right back to his prayer room, opens up the, opens up the window. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hey, glory to God. Lord, thank you. You're so amazing how you delivered me all of the prophetic words that you've spoken over our people and Jeremiah. And we're only going to be here for 70 years. You're on the throne. The devil's been defeated. Oh, God, how amazing you are. Hallelujah. And I think he just kept going. So I can't do what? Pray? Oh, I'm going to pray louder and I'm adding a prayer day, a prayer time. Only two days, only two times a day would Jews pray. So he said, oh, you want to take it away? It's time to double up. So I'm going to add one. He added three instead of two. He prays three times with the window open so everybody and their brother could hear him. I mean, he's signing his own decree of death. He's not intimidated. Listen, don't let intimidation hold you back from serving God. Don't ever be intimidated by people's opinions of what they think. But always do the right thing. Always do the right thing. If people don't like it, oh well. Do the right thing. Everybody say, do the right thing. Do the right thing. And so Daniel wasn't going to back off of his habit. He had a habit of praying. He knew that was his source. And he's like, if they kill me, I'm better off anyway. And, and otherwise, God can do a miracle. But I ain't backing off of the one who brought me through all of this. The four, now guess we'll have another fourth man showing up. Guess something's going to happen. Come on, hand, handwriting on the wall. and Come on, God, God's going to do it all. Wow. He did it openly. Why didn't he just stop praying for 30 days? I think today in, 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 the, in the body of Christ, there was a decree to stop praying for 30 I think people would just justify and say, it's only 30 days, so let's just stop for 30 days. And then we can get back to it. You know, God knows our heart. Uh-huh. Yeah, he does. 
deceitfully wicked above all else. Dark and blackened our hearts. <laughs> Just be led by your heart. Bad idea. Really bad idea. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by truth. Be led by the Word. Why didn't he just stop? Because he knew his identity, right? In your notes, his identity, his strength, his success, his excellent spirit depended upon him praying. It depended upon him praying. Guess what? Let's bring some application. You really want to do something in this earth, it's going to be dependent upon you praying. It's going to be dependent upon your covenant relationship with God. And it's not going to be dependent upon anybody else. Dream interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar, ongoing victory, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, God's intervention. To stop praying would, would, be, would be insane. And that's why he didn't. That's why he didn't. Okay, he knew when he threw open the win windows of heaven, um, pardon me, when he threw open his window and he faced, oh, this is good right here. What I'm about to say is good. There's two places you're going to face, no matter who you are. Either you're going to face Babylon or you're going to face Jerusalem. And you've got to pick which one you're going to face. I've already made the decision. I've made a decision. I'm going to face Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the picture of the heavenly Jerusalem coming down. It's a picture of heaven, picture of the kingdom. I am going to do everything in my life to stay that way, to seek first the kingdom. And I am not going to turn to Babylon. I'm not going to. You can't take my Bible away. You can't keep me from praying. You just can't keep me from witnessing, testifying, and preaching the entire counsel of the word of God. Because we're going to face Jerusalem. Every single person will either face Babylon or face Jerusalem. Where are you facing? What is your focus on? I'm preaching better than you're amening. What is your focus on? If your focus is on Jerusalem, your focus is on heaven, your focus is on the kingdom, then you're going to see kingdom release and you might see some persecution too. Or you can be a whore in Babylon. All right, let's move on to the next point. Not me. Say no to the... Praise God. His praying revealed his highest allegiance. <laughs> his praying revealed his highest, highest allegiance. And his highest allegiance was not, not to man, it was to God. Who's your highest allegiance to? Who's your focus on? I mean, really, think about this. This is serious. He opens a window. Well, that's a whole other point. That I, it's not in the notes, but they would face Jerusalem because they believed. There's a number of miracles that took place at the, at the temple. One, there's no flies at the temple. There was a miracle recorded by historians that there is never any flies seen on the temple mount. Now, you know why that's amazing? It's a little over 2,000 feet in elevation. And the Temple Mount in the Old Testament days is a slaughterhouse. Do I have any hunters up in the house? Has anybody ever slaughtered anything outside? Yes. And what comes shortly thereafter? Bears. That's right. Exactly. No, but beyond bears, before the bears, depending, flies. Flies come. So how is it that there's no flies on the Temple Mount? In the entire recorded history, there's no flies. Because flies are a picture of Beelzebub. In fact, the Lord of the Flies, the Lord of the Dung Hill. Nice title. Lord of the Crap Hill. Praise the Lord. Flies. And the other thing that was amazing that took place at the temple. Now, understand things have been destroyed now, so this is, this is not happening. There's no sacrifices taking place, and there's no incense being burned. The temple is destroyed at this time. The other miracle that took place in the temple is that incense, no matter what was going on in the weather, went straight up. Come on, if you light a match right now and you blow it out, you'll see the, you'll see the smoke just kind of... But the incense at the temple went straight up. And then Solomon, at the dedication of the temple, the dedication of the temple when, he, when he spoke, he said, when people face the, the city, when people face this temple and they pray. So when he's facing Jerusalem, he understands clearly what he's doing, but he throws open the window, signing his own death warrant because that's how important his habit of prayer was. Wow. What was the result of Daniel's continuing to pray? Well, 
God intervened. I have to say also this the, the king, the king fasts. He doesn't sleep that night. And he doesn't eat any word. He doesn't eat any food. He has no musicians to come. Wow. Look what he says in verse 16. So the king gave the command. He had to keep his word. He's grieved. You gotta you got to know he's mad at all these other boneheads that tried to trying to kill Daniel. They brought Daniel, cast him into the lion's den. But the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I mean, the, the king, a pagan king, is making a prophetic declaration. Then a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den. It reminds me of Jesus. It reminds me of the, of the tomb. And the king sealed it just like they sealed the, the tomb for Jesus. Signet ring, signet rings of the Lord's. And verse 18, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting so he doesn't eat. And he had, he had no Xbox 360. He didn't have Netflix. He didn't watch anything on TV. He avoided CNN, NBC, ABC, and Fox News. He avoided all those things. He had no entertainment. And sleep was, went, was from him. He cared for Daniel, a pagan king. And I got, you got to know that he's fasting. I, I got to, oh, oh, God of Daniel, please. Oh, God of Daniel, let him not be killed. Oh, God of Daniel. You know, I'm, I'm, I think he's, God is becoming his God. This high-level king is being impacted by the sacrifice and the steadfast spirit, the excellent spirit of Daniel. Then the king rose early in the morning, went down in haste to the lion's den. Verse 20, here's what happens if you, if you have a habit of prayer. If you will pray continually, you'll have things like this happen. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke and said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever from the from the." From the bottom of the lion's den. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. So they've not hurt me. Because I was found innocent before him. And also king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad. Now you got to know what that looks like. He's like, look what the Lord and yeah. Look what. Yeah, I think he's jumping around, screaming, shouting. I think he's just lost his mind. It wasn't like, oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Thanks. so glad you're alive, Daniel. No, exceeding joy. Has anybody ever seen exceeding joy? It's like when somebody wins the lottery, ah, and they're running around, and they're screaming. So it was like that. It was exceeding joy. So Daniel was taken up out of the lion's den. No injury was found in him, once again, because he believed his God. And then the king gave the command, and they brought those who would accuse Daniel. Oh, snap. And they cast him into the lion's den. Them, watch this, their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them. Look at this. And broke all their bones in pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. That's like as they're falling, they don't even hit the ground and the lions devour them. Now here's the thing. Not just those lying, conniving, jealous governors and satraps. Their wives and their children. I mean, that's intense. Now, let me just bring it plain to you. If you don't live for God and you live a conniving life of striving like that, it's going to affect your marriage and it's going to eat your children for lunch. You have to, living right is its own reward. If he never did another thing, I'm, for me, I'm still, he's already done it. Now, I'm going to live with a clean conscience. So many people don't understand that their lives, the way that they live, will affect this entire next generation, will affect your marriage, will affect your kids. Demons operate, listen to me, demons operate down generational lines if they have rights to it. And they just, they just would love to manipulate and wound and, and take your kids. So if you, you, listen, the level of Christianity, this is going to sting a little bit, so maybe you want to just hold the bottom of your seat. 
and just, you know, just ready? The level of Christianity that you have, the level of maturity you have is what you do in the dark when you know nobody will catch you. That's your level of the fear of the Lord. When you know you can get away with it, nobody can catch you. But you forget that actually God's there and the devil sees it all too. The devil doesn't know everything, but he does know by your actions. He's not omnipresent. No, God intervened in this situation. Hindrances were removed. Yeah, they sure were. They were made lion food. He prospered. He prospered. That's, that's amazing. And King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, languages who dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you, verse 26. I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble, tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. So he sends out a global witness because of one man who prayed. I'm telling you, you can make a difference in your family. You could make a difference in your, in your town, in, your, in the borough. You could make a difference in the state. You could make a difference. God is looking. His eyes are going to and fro, looking for a man who's steadfast towards him. He's looking for somebody who will pray, who will stand in the midst of opposition and not shrink back as some in the habit of doing unto destruction. He's looking for somebody who'd have an excellent spirit. And what makes you having an excellent spirit is a covenant walk with God that won't be interrupted by, by any accusation or any pressure from the world or Babylon, if you understand what I'm saying. God's looking for someone like that who he can then elevate and, and, and use. God is glorified. An international, an international witness, verse 26. Wow. Because Daniel had a habit of prayer. we got a lot of habits. We have a habit of eating. We're noticing that right now. We're noticing what a habit we have as we've put it up. Some of you doing full fasts. Some of you doing partial fasts. Fasting helps you reminded by how much, how much food we do eat. You know, maybe not you. Maybe me. We have a habit of watching our favorite TV shows. Have a habit of um, going on Instagram. Have a habit of going on Facebook. Have a habit of going on Snapchat. Have a habit of texting a lot, maybe. Have a habit of um, overwhelming amount of screen time. Is one of the number one distractions in Christianity right here. Say, so do you struggle with that? Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's like a walking office. I got my whole office in my pocket. I mean, it's kind of amazing when I need to make something happen and get it done. I can just, like, go in the zone. <laughs> Send out emails. and It's like kung fu communication. One of the things I love about going down to King Salmon is my phone doesn't work. At all, and I've, I've, I, when I, when I've gone down there, I've, I haven't been in a little bit, but when I go down there and I sit there and I'm like, "Wow, oh, praise God!" Oh yeah. Oops, you know. And then I'm like, "Yeah, it doesn't work." And then later on, I'm, re <laughs> you realize, you realize how much you use your phone, or something happens, you need to communicate. Can I borrow your phone? <laughs> We have a habit of doing a lot of things. Daniel had a habit of prayer. And he was powerfully used. And the book of Daniel is so relevant for today that God could entrust to him some of the most amazing end-time revelation because he had a steadfast, excellent spirit. So let me ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing in your prayer life? I say, well... Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray. That's not going to get it. I'm just telling you, that's not going to get it. God is clearly speaking to us. Very simple message tonight. Satan will attempt. Satan will attempt to stop us from praying. So if he can stop you from praying, he can shut down the favor. He can begin to set you up. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
but he's toothless for those who will live under the covenant blessings of God and keep themselves. But I've found when my prayer life doesn't, isn't excelling that I'm more susceptible to my flesh. I'm more susceptible to, to the attacks of the enemy. I've I found, you know, as I'm pastoring this church, there's moments of, of, of real pressure for me. It's real, man. You say, well, just can't you just rest? Yeah. But you have to labor to enter into his rest. That's what it says in Hebrews. What does that mean? I know. How do you like that? What, a, what is like an oxymoron there? Labor to enter into his rest. There's a place of casting all your cares unto him. My wife and I were weeping in morning prayers. You know, we get this list. It's just like the never-ending list. It's never-ending, and it keeps getting piled on, and it and, you, you know, you can be diligent and work hard, but it's not just working hard. You can be diligent and work hard without God. It's the prayer on top of that. You've got to pray and you work hard. And in doing that, it brings a synergy of release and blessing. You can't just pray and not do. Come on, faith without works is dead. Right? So you pray and then you, you, you get filled and you get strengthened and you take action and then God meets you. You can't just do the action. Come on, some of you, Martha. Martha. Some of you just constantly after it, but you don't, you forget the sitting at his feet thing. And I've found, I don't, I don't think I've learned yet. I'm just being honest. I don't. I, because I got to, you know you've learned it when you stop doing it. Some of you say you've learned, oh, yeah, well, you got to teach me that again. Yeah, he's got to teach you again. Maybe I have learned now. I guess we'll find out if the cycle runs one more time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Prayer and seeking His kingdom is the priority of your life. That is what you do. But you can't, you still got to get up and go punch the clock. You still got to work. You still got to do, you still got to do the stuff. You don't work, you don't eat on Sunday night, right? Unless, you know, there's reasons that people can't work. Maybe handicapped or maybe they're retired. I mean, listen, retired, I gave a great word to all the retired people. It's called a refiring. Amen. You'll get on fire, lead all kinds of ministries, and have revival. Amen. What are you saying? I'm telling you, make prayer a priority in your life. And if you'll do that, you'll see a release of God's power. Prayer equals power with God. And if you don't learn to do that, you can run around and do all the religious stuff and see no release. You can go fishing and throw your net out as much as you want, Peter. But until Jesus comes with the anointing and says, oh, the other side actually, right? Do it now. Fish. You can work without the anointing or work with the anointing. You can co-labor with him or you can try to do it on your own. You're never intended to do life on your own. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that you co-labor with him. I've chosen you, John 15, and appointed you that you would bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. Apart from me, you can do nothing, not a zero, zilch. I am the vine and you are the branches, Jesus said. And that prayer time, that intimate time, reading His Word and waiting on Him and experiencing His presence and praying in the Spirit releases a favor, anointing. It releases excellence. God is the definition of excellence. I've seen people that cross their T's, dot their I's, so detailed, so amazingly excellent without God. Now that is also a sign of the Antichrist. What's the difference? The difference is one is walking in communion with God and it'll have lasting fruit. The other one's going to be dealt with and judged. God's speaking to us saying, He'll always try to stop you from praying. If He can stop you from praying, He'll stop the blessings. He'll stop, He'll cut you, begin to cut you off. <laughs> so I, let me just make it plain. I pray, we pray, we fast, we seek Him, we seek Him, and then just God just goes, blessings. Then we're like, Yes! Blessings! Yes! And then all of a sudden, wait a second. Wait a second. You know, we kind of wake up. Wait, we stopped the prayer part. You know, all the blessings begin, begin to pull us off of actually what released it. All those years ago, we went through this church with tremendous trial in this church. And God said to me very clearly, don't ever forget. 
It's prayer that turned the whole thing around. Come on, we're not smart enough. We must see prayer as vital to having an excellent spirit, vital to walking with God, vital to our success, real success, having what God says you can have, doing what God says you can do, being who God says you can be, real success, hearing well done. Don't ever forget it. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Real success comes from a a vital relationship with God through prayer. Make prayer a priority. Make prayer a priority in your life. Don't just pray over your food. By all means, pray for your food. But have a vital walk with the Lord. You say, how do I do that? Well, I don't know. Do what my mom did with me. It seemed to work. Just drag me to morning prayer. You're going to live in my house at 20-something years old. You're going to prayer. Great. I had a bike. And I needed a job. Thanks, Mom. I've had a pattern of praying. Almost, well, 20 years. I'm not going to stop. There's other levels that God wants to bring us to. Would you commit yourself to prayer? Would you? Would you commit yourself to be a person in prayer? Everybody wants all the stuff and all the blessings, all the fire, all the anointing, all the excellence, but they don't want to do what it does to get there. Come on, stand up on on your feet. Stand up on your feet all across this place. I hope you got something from God. I didn't preach long to you. Come on, just talk to Him in the moments that remain in the service tonight. Come on, just talk to Him. Hallelujah. I want to, you know what I want to do? I want to sing that that, uh, victory, Jesus, deliver, provider thing. One, that one. Yep, go there. Because how did, how did, how did, how did, how did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have the, how did that happen? Prayer. The fourth man showed up because what? Prayer. You know they're crying out, oh God, oh God. How did, how did you get saved? You prayed. How did deliverance come? You cried out. How did, how did any judge get raised up in the book of Judges? They cried out. How did God intervene? You know, with Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, and the worshipers believed the prophets and prosper. How did that happen? They cried out to God. They cried out to God. They cried out to God. I want to sing this again. Come on. Let's sing it. You ready? Lead us. the name of Jesus. To call on him means to pray. He is our healer. He's our healer. Call the name of Jesus. Come on, call on him. Come on, we call on him. Come on, call on him tonight. Let's take time to just pray and seek Him, worship Him.
struggling with fear, almost not wanting to leave your home, I say to you by the word of the Lord, no more. Over these next weeks of our fasting, whether you've sensed it or not tonight, the atmosphere shifted considerably, and there's a measure of God's presence and glory just kind of rolling in at another level. 
over this next weeks as we seek God, you keep seeking and keep fasting, keep praying. Make it a habit of prayer. If you can't make our prayer times, then just set one up at home. And stick to it no matter what. Make a lifestyle of it. Teach your babies. Teach you, teach yourselves. See? Model it before people. And over these next weeks, as we continue to fast and pray, the presence and the power of God will come in an ever-increasing way. Don't miss anything that happens this weekend. I'm telling you, Sunday night, y'all listening, I'm telling you, Sunday night, something's going to happen in here. Sunday night. Oh, Sunday morning too, yeah, but we're going we're gonna to press and worship, and I believe there's going to come a sinking up with heaven. I think something's going to happen. I'm just telling you, I believe, I'm prophesying Sunday night. It's going to be amazing because <laughs> we're going to really worship him and he's going to come maybe like we've never seen before. Don't you miss it. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us, God. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. Feel free to stick around and pray or feel free to slip out if you want to. We love you. God bless you. Praise God. He's on the throne. The devil's been defeated.